Welcome to Hockey Night in New York, where Islanders hockey always reigns supreme. Whether you were raised at the barn in Uniondale or born in the stable at Belmont, Hockey Night in New York is your home for all things Isles. Now, let's drop the puck and get this party started. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Hockey Nights in New York. Welcome to the program, everyone. It is Sunday, April 23rd, 2023. Coming to you live from Floored Media in Rockville Center. Got a big fun one coming up for you tonight. Islanders former head coach Peter Laviolette and Stanley Cup winner will be joining us. Extremely excited about that. Really appreciate him giving us some of his time tonight. Joining me tonight is Mr. Chris Botta. My name is Sean Cuthbert. Chris Botta. How are we doing? I'm doing great, Sean. How are you? I'm doing all right. You know, it's been a few hours, so I've been able to, you know, wipe the tears away a little bit. The timing works out well, right? <laughs> yeah, I a think it was a nice recover. It was a nice buffer between uh, the disappointing loss today and uh, starting things up. So obviously the mood is a little uh, less exciting than it might have been had they pulled out the win. But listen, the series isn't over. It's 3-1. to one. We're going to keep talking about it. But before we do... I want to remind everybody that we are proud to be presented by Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington, 217 Carlton Avenue in East Iceland, and of course, UBS Arena at Belmont Park. Also proud to be sponsored by Lost Farmer Brewing Company, located at 63 A 2nd Street in Mineola, and proud to be sponsored by Main Street Board Game Cafe, located at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village. So More on that later. You always say more on that later, and you didn't. I, I switched it up this time. Because <laughs> wow. I figure by now they know it's coming later, right? You know, trying to save some time, Chris. Absolutely. You just blew, yeah, gonna you blew it all. It. We're going to need it. <laughs> yes, indeed. So what do you think? I mean, do you, where do you think the series stands right now? We know it's 3-1. Do you think it is over? Do you have reason for hope? You are in the barn these last two games. Tell me how you feel, Sean. I, I was there, and obviously uh, anybody who watches is a little discouraged with the way that the game went. Mm-hmm. Look, backs are against the wall, 3-1. to one. The, the odds are not you know, in their favor, that's for sure. And I'm not going to sit here and tell anybody (laughs) that they're going to do it. No problem. They're going to come back, win three in a row. Can they? Sure. They've shown enough in this series that they've certainly been able to hang with the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, Can they do that three times in a row? Sure, it's possible. I'm certainly not putting any money on it. But look, it's not over. We're going to see what this team is made of, if they can go into Carolina on Tuesday and extend this series and then take it one game at a time, right? But look, we're going to cover everything that's been happening in the series. We, we haven't talked about it since it started, but obviously discipline is going to be one of the biggest things. And now I know everybody has their gripes about the way these games have been called. I have my own. We'll talk about them. But I think the most important thing this team has to do is stay out of the penalty box. They sure do. You know, the thing about playoff series is that so much of it is about eliminating the noise and mm-hmm. being ready for the next shift, as corny as that might sound. You know, we're, we're just hearing a lot about the refs. Look, they got screwed on the non-call on the Mayfield high stick mm-hmm. in the overtime. That's a that's a singular moment, mm-hmm. and it, the refs made a mistake, despite what Mike Rupp thought. Nice, <laughs> right. nice of Ruppert to right. uh, somehow feel like he had to weigh in. On, you know, he works for the NHL Network. Mm. Um, so that aside, these things in game, you have to put them aside, and right. you have to right. navigate the media. You have to navigate the noise, the social media posts, the officiating, everything that comes with it. And I thought today, Sunday, the Islanders did a really bad job of persevering. <laughs> You know, that one goal, uh, Zach Prize said it very well after the game, you know, that one goal is one goal, and and that doesn't excuse the rest of it. So, listen, when it comes to this team, nothing has come easy this season. 
right? right? No, there, that's there, true. There have been little, there have been a couple of little weeks, maybe twice during the season, where they were firing on all cylinders and had everybody happy. But it's a team that needed the last day of the season, right? Mm-hmm. Their last game to make the playoffs. So it's not a shock that we are where we are right now. The last thing I'll say for now about this series is I thought after they won on Friday, mm-hmm. I just it just felt too jubilant. Again, navigating a series, managing a series, mm-hmm. just from the reaction of the team, not across the board, but there seemed to be like an exhale, like now we're back in it. Now, mm-hmm. well, no, it's not a series until it's tied. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought that I was a little disappointed in that. Like I feel like there's there's a uh, a lack of leadership, perhaps from the head huh. coach, from the coaching staff. But boy, like today, that was it was just bad. And they have nobody. You know, there's little things they could blame, but they have nobody to blame but themselves. It was a really piss poor performance on Sunday. Yeah, like you said, Parisi hit it on the head, right? Because you can complain all you want about that call. And look, I th- I thought it was a ticky tacky call. I'm sure most of the people mm-hmm. watching and listening to the show do too. You know, he gets pushed into the into the goalkeeper. And, you know, they were they came out flying to start the game. They had all the momentum. They were playing very well. I think they were up five shots on goal to none before the before the penalty happened. So they everything was looking really good. That penalty happens, and then another, you know, unfortunate domino effect where they get the additional penalty there, and they end up with the five-on-three, and that, you know, takes the wind out of their sails. They're down one nothing, but they're still, like, you know, 50 minutes left in the hockey game, and you got to be able to persevere over that and turn it around. And unfortunately, we saw for the remainder of the game, they, they weren't able to do that. In fact, the wheels came off a little bit. You know, Matt Martin takes an undisciplined penalty to end the period. That ends up putting them down 2 nothing to start in the second period, and then it's just kind of, you know, kept, um, you know, rolling from there. And, and you know, listen, when you're, when you're in the fourth game of this series, you have a pretty decent idea how the game is going to be called. And they haven't been able to get away with much, right? I mean, they're, they're pretty much calling everything. Thing, everything that they seem to see anyway right so you gotta think you know take all that into account and you gotta be able to restrain yourself now obviously adrenaline's high emotions are high it's easy for me to say this from this chair right here but these guys have been in it they've been through it they've done it and you know you look at the effort today and, and they could have gotten out of their own way if they they just managed to manage their game a little bit better the most disappointing aspect of sunday's game was the jarvis goal early in the third period Mm. They're down three zip, and I understand the odds are stacked against them. Right, but it, I actually kept on replaying it, which I don't do often, because as Jarvis is coming in on the breakaway, the player, the under closest to him is Brock Nelson, mm-hmm. and I understand that you have to pinch a little more and you need to step it up. But if you look at the Islanders of these last five seasons, Trotz and Lambert, uh, this crew with Lou, it was just to me, it was just a stunning way to give up a goal to -hmm. basically shut the door early in that period. I don't know if people start heading out right after that, but it felt, I thought there was still hope going into the third, but when they got that one, Two minutes in, less than two minutes yeah. in. That, that was that was awful stuff. So, <laughs> uh, you know, all these signs that occasionally we've seen during the season. There've been a couple times where Lane Lambert said, "You know, we gave up goals that we haven't given up." You know, you know, there continues to be a leaky team, and that hasn't been mm-hmm. what this team has been synonymous with in this little era here. Well, I'm going to throw that same question you you threw at me in the beginning of the show. I mean, what's what are your thoughts on the remaining games here? I mean, they, can they extend the, Can they win their first game in Carolina on Tuesday? Yeah, I, I you know, 
Their goal right now needs to be to get it to a seventh game. Carolina. Well, yeah, yes, yes. Okay. Let me, let me uh, take another shot at that. <laughs> Carolina lost at home, as you know, to the, your beloved Rangers last year in, sure, the game, yeah. in the game seven. When you get to a game seven, by the way, I, I don't, home ice hasn't meant anything in the NHL in a, in a long time. Mm. It's not like the NBA, where even that's changing in that league. But they have to get it to a seventh game. So if, so I'm not saying let's take it a game at a time. I'm saying you got to win one in Carolina, one at home. Is that unreasonable? No, it is not unreasonable. So as much as we're concerned how today was bad, you know they showed enough in Carolina. They showed enough in Friday on Friday. Mm-hmm. They ha- they still have the goaltender who has been good, not great. We get it, Sorokin. I still think that's a significant advantage. I'm surprised mm-hmm. that it's Ronda still, but I can't blame them. Uh, but can they win Tuesday and Friday back at UBS? Yes, they can. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. Again, they can, whether they do or not. It depends on which aisle the team shows up. And up until today, I think that they hung very well with Carolina. They could have won one of those two games in Carolina if things had gone their way. And, and maybe we'll focus a little more now on the officiating. Obviously, you've seen your fair share of playoff series over the course of time. When you look at the calls and non-calls that happened, I mean, is this anything out of the ordinary for you? Do you feel like it's been a little more egregious compared to other series? I mean, look, I'm not going to sit here and say the the – the way that these games are called are the reason why the Islanders are down three one. I, I don't, I don't, you know, follow that that um, way of thinking here. But well, the the, re, uh, the re officiating around all the playoff series this mm. year, you know, if you look, whether you're watching, whether you're seeing the reaction on social media, it's been pretty bad across the board. Mm. Um, so I don't know, you know, there isn't a point going back to necessarily previous series, mm. but. It's it's bad out there. I saw a tweet from Arthur Staple, who's obviously covering the Rangers now for uh, for the Athletic, and he weighed in on that early call. I think it was the, you know the one that gave the Islanders the five on three, and he mm-hmm. said, "Look, you know, right away, the, the refs have put themselves in a position where now everybody's looking at them." And I thought that yep. was well said by Arthur. So mm-hmm. that just again goes to the point that you just have to shake these things off. You almost have to go into the game expecting this. Uh, right. You had a game in Carolina exactly. where the Islanders got, got no power plays. Carolina got six, and Rod Brindamore was able to say <laughs> right. that he right. wasn't happy with the officiating because his guy got his hand slashed right. um, you know, by J.G. Peugeot. So – uh, it's it just there is so much it'll be interesting to talk to peter about this a little bit because not yeah. just because of the toronto Islanders series but i was uh covering the nhl the year that they played chicago in the playoffs in stanley cup final and i was around the blackhawks a lot i was on, around peter's teams a lot too during mm. those runs and you do you feel like you're playing not just the other team sometimes but you're playing the city mm-hmm. you're playing mm-hmm. their fan base you're right. playing the media who all of a sudden seem to take more sides during the playoffs, <laughs> which is interesting right, to right. me. So uh, there's a lot to handle here, and I, I I would give Lane Lambert a failing grade so far as to mm. how he's handled it. Okay. But it doesn't mean – and he also will Can say, you expand on that? Well, what we'll say is, you know, when you're – when you're up against it in the playoffs, like the Islanders have been since the first game, mm-hmm. the very um, somber, quiet, uh, somewhat mm-hmm. morose, mm-hmm. Uh, 
passion free response listen it just doesn't play well that mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily mean you're a bad coach what i'm right. saying is th- this is in the entertainment business mm-hmm. and these playoff series are these are plays these are movies mm-hmm. and and there's mm-hmm. a lot more to it than just having your guys out there and having your system barry trotz wasn't the most like always you know uh, visibly uh, upset passionate guy but mm-hmm. he could bring it right and it, it just doesn't look good and there's no reason to be, you know it, Right now, if you were to look at today, you would say Rod Brindamore. It wouldn't be a stretch to say Rod had his guys ready today mm-hmm. after they were kind of humiliated Friday. Sure. Right? They were. No, they, they, they were. They, they didn't just they lose. Were. They gave up four goals in a record amount of time. Yep. Mm-hmm. And Matt Martin was running them left and right and laughing, and they're losing the little battles and the scrums and mm-hmm. the fights and all that. And uh, Nate just you know, goes off and he hits uh, Nelson. Right. And, but – who won today? They swept it all under the rug and came out today. And right. they just mm-hmm. was great. And right. their top guys, yeah. and they're losing some of their top guys, but their top guys were great. And Horvat was not. That'll be for after uh, later on in the show. <laughs> yes, his uh, name is Bart in the cards. Barzell, uh, was not. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah. Lane is Lane's going to have to figure it out. You can never change who you are, but he's going to have to find some ways to adapt because this is this is not play well. And it's an entertainment business, and you have to start thinking about next season if you don't get out of it this mm-hmm. week. And there's a lot there. No, it's an interesting point to make because he he does get fiery behind the bench when the games are being played. You can see some emotion coming out there, but whenever he's interviewed, always even keel. And, and sometimes you like to see some level headedness from your coach. But you're right, maybe it is to a fault where let's see a little bit of fire here, especially with you know whether whether you agree with it or not. There is there is some things to get a little emotional and fiery about when you talk about the calls, like back your team up. You know, talk about how how Mayfield got screwed. I mean, he played it very by the book. Very yeah, I didn't agree with it. Okay, yeah, I think. Uh, this is his natural personality anyway, mm-hmm. but I also can't help but wonder, you know, we've had guests on early in the year, Kevin Kerr's people, uh, Andrew Gross, and they talked pretty openly about how Lou uh, would probably kind of quietly lose his mm-hmm. mind mm-hmm. when Barry mm-hmm. would say too much. And got to believe Lane's aware of that, so maybe he's just keeping it close to the best. It's the best defense that I could come up with for Lane right now. All right, well, we got plenty more to talk about here on Hockey Night New York. I want to thank you all for tuning in at twitch.tv slash Hockey Night NY and your favorite podcast providers. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, former New York Islanders head coach Peter Laviolette and, of course, Stanley Cup champion with the Carolina Hurricanes. We'll be right back. Hey, Islander fans. You already know Blue Line Deli and Bagels is the best place to get your game day meal, and now you can get it at the game. Blue Line Deli and Bagels is proud to be featured in the brand new UBS Arena for all Islander games and live events as an official partner of the New York Islanders. Blue Line is also moving beyond Belmont, opening its doors at 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip. So whether it's at the Islanders' new home, East Islip, or at the flagship deli at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington, all three locations are eager to greet you with their familiar friendly service and the best food around. So stop on in for delicious Bagel Boss bagels, hearty breakfast favorites, tasty hockey-themed heroes, freshly made smoothies, and so much more. And remember, you can always check out the menu and order online at bluelinedeli.com. Blue Line Deli and Bagels. Our goal is to make you a hero. for giving some time to our sponsors ready to talk more aisles the train rolls on right here on hockey night in new york 
And it's Chris Botta and Sean Cuthbert back with you. And we're really glad to be joined by the all-time winningest American head coach in the history of the National Hockey League. He led the Islanders' revival, one of the greatest turnarounds in NHL history by points. Stanley Cup for the Carolina Hurricanes. Two more Stanley Cup finals. Besides that, didn't really accomplish much in his coaching career so far, but hopefully he'll keep it going. How are you, Peter? It's Peter LaVillette. How are you, Pete? Guys, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing Chris, good to see you, great. buddy. Same, same here, Peter. Sean, how are you? Doing great. Great to have you on, Peter. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, question for you right away. You engineered yep. some pretty remarkable comebacks. Uh, you know, first with the Islanders being down to zip to Toronto and getting back in that series, but of course, most famously, being one of the few to come back from 0-3 down. When you're a head coach and you're down 3-1 and you're going on the roads for game five and maybe hopefully you're getting it back to game seven, what is your approach with your team? Well, a couple of things before, just uh, commenting on those. That that um, going down 2 nothing with the Islanders, and uh, that was one of the greatest series that uh, after 20, 20 plus years of coaching that I've ever been a part of, it was my first one. It was one of the best ones just because of the way it went down and going to seven games. And uh, it was just awesome. That series, the the Boston series was, was crazy in the fact that we were down um, three, nothing. And then we made it back to three, three. And then, from there, we go down three nothing in the game before the ten minute mark of the first period, and somehow able to find our way back in that one. And that one was just unbelievable to be a part of, to watch a group of guys fight for something and get after it, and just an unbelievable job um, coming back in that game. But I think when you're down three one, the, the message is pretty simple. It's not about what happened in the first you know, the first four games, it's not about what winning seven games. It's just about just that one game and just making sure that you're, you're ready to play and getting guys on the same page, trying to find something that can bring a group together and get them fired up. And, um, but it's, it's a, it's a big challenge, a difficult challenge, but I'll tell you when you're able to come back from something like that, it's pretty special too. Yeah, it sure is. When you know you coached against these these Islanders, meaning you know Barry's Islanders and and now Lane's Islanders and and their system, you've also coached against the Rod Brindamore Hurricanes. Let's start with the Islanders. When the Islanders are at their best, and you saw some of that these last couple of years, you also got the better of them famously just about a week or two ago and, and threw a wrench in the plans of the fans of Long Island for a little while. Yeah. Uh, what are the Islanders doing when they are at their best? I think that they're good defensively. Like there's not there's not too much risk to their game. Sometimes when we talk about playing them, like you really have to make sure that you know you're not trying to you're not trying to run and gun with them. You're not trying to create something that's not there. They're comfortable winning the game one to nothing or two to one, and it's almost like you have to be comfortable with that as well. Because if you try to do too much, you leave yourself open, and they do have some really talented players offensively that can make things happen. And so for me, it's, you know, there's, there's not so much of the pinching or so much of their D involved. Like you, you don't catch a lot of odd man rushes and a lot of odd man breaks against them. And 
Um, you got to mind your business. You got to play the game and and just consistently try to go through it for 60 minutes. And to me, that's when they're at their best. They're playing good defense. Their goaltending is very good. And they 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 can get if they can get a lead, and then you have to push even more from from the opposite side. That exposes it even more, and then they're able to get the next goal and the next goal, and kind of build on that. And so, pretty disciplined with with what they're doing. And knowing Carolina, you know those home fans. You know how loud it gets. You know the yeah. hurricane system. And I don't know. It seems like every time I check the NHL app during the season, they're out shooting somebody twenty three to six, yeah. seven minutes in. So, what would if you're the Islanders? What are the things you're looking to do to maybe quiet that crowd, settle things down for game five? You know, you're, you're right. I mean, the Car- Carolina has been really good for, well, this year and last year for a couple of years, they've been dominant with the way they play the game. And for me, <clears throat> they're fast and they, it's almost the opposite of the way the Islanders play the game. They are about speed. They're about quantity of pucks at the net and, through quantity, it creates quality. And, um, you know, they just, they're, they're difficult. They, they skate, they work, they press, they forecheck in the offensive zone, they forecheck in the neutral zone. They're looking for quick strikes the other way. And so it's really a con for me, it's a little bit of a contrast of two teams and two styles and the way they play the game. And so, um, Carolina's it was tough when we played them they, And then it's a little bit demoralizing too, because, you're right. You know, you could look up 10 minutes into the game and look at the the shot clock and it could be 11 to two. And you're like, well, we, I thought we were ready to play, but um, they just throw so many pucks at the net. And like I said, they press all the time and they have the speed and the players to do it. It's just a, it's a harder game for me. It's a harder game to, to play against. And so I don't know the Islanders, they're going to have to be ready for it. They're going into a, they're going into a building and it's going to be a, a good challenge for them, a good test. But I also know that those are the games that you can win that can really build some resolve with your group as well. No question about it, Peter. And I think the biggest difference in this series has had to have been the special teams. And it's something that the Islanders have been struggling with on the power play throughout the season. It's bled into the into the playoffs here, even with getting Matt Barzell back. And I think you can make an argument that they have the horses to get it done, and they just haven't been able to do it throughout this series. I think they're 1-for-12 against the Hurricanes. When you yeah. have a team that's that's in that situation, like, I mean, you're pressing, you're looking to change things up, you're just trying to keep rolling out the same five guys, the same two units, you're looking to you know change things up and kind of just stick with it and hope it finally drops, or, or do you kind of get a little antsy and say, hey, maybe it's time to switch things up because things just aren't working out? I think... Um you know, I haven't I haven't followed it. I, like I'm kind of bouncing around, not just watching one series and had the Bruins game on today and watched a little bit of that and um, and so without you know watching what exactly went on in the right. series and just commenting generally speaking, I think it depends on what you see. And oftentimes, I think when you're watching the game five on five, or you're watching your power play, or you're watching your penalty kill. If you like what you're seeing, if if the if the results of if the results other than goals, the the zone time, the shots, the quality of shots, the possession time, the in zone opportunity that they're getting, if you like it, I don't know if you necessarily change it up that much. Um, but if you don't like what you're seeing, I think that there's always room for change and to make. Sometimes it's just a small change too. You change one piece, you move one person, and something good can happen. But Again, the, the the penalty kill for Carolina is pretty good as well. And so, right. again, they're aggressive right. with what they do. 
they play an aggressive style. And I always think that those penalty kills are a little bit more tougher. The teams that sit back a little bit and defend in the box, I think that that's a little bit easier to look good and to feel good and possibly get looks. Um, but the teams that press hard and they they work hard, take time and space, don't give you a lot of opportunity. Those are the ones that I think can sometimes be a little bit um, tougher to play against. For sure. And, and when it comes to officiating, a lot's been said about the officiating in this series. Yeah. And, you know, just as a head coach behind the bench and when, when you guys, you know, you feel like things aren't going your way, how do you keep the focus on the bench when you feel like you're not only playing against the team on the other, other end of the ice, but also maybe a little bit against the officiating as well? How do you keep that focus on the bench? Yeah, I think I've mellowed a little bit with regard to that. As you, I don't know, just getting older, the the officials have such a tough job, and so there's always there's always good calls, there's tough calls. Um, just like players have good games and bad games, or coaches do the wrong thing or the right thing, it's tough with um, it's tough with officiating. Sometimes the game goes so fast, like you know, we start to yell and come. We think we see something. Right. And then we have to look on the TV and we're asking the guy in the headset back in the video room, hey, is this what happened? Is this? And they're watching it one time and they're watching it quick. And so, you know, obviously the two goals that were there was one uh, last night in Tampa and then there was one today, too, with Boston, their first goal. Like it was it was quick. I mean, it was tied up. I mean, they're almost identical scenarios and and uh, those situations are tough and. And I think back to some of the, the times that it's happened with us as well, even the, the, those situations of the, the whistle and the goal and, you know, the whistle being blown and the puck being loose and some of those situations are tough, but the game moves so quick on the officials. It's playoff. So, I mean, everybody's emotional. Everybody is jumping up and down and they, they're bought in, their heart's in it, their passion's in it, their purpose is in it. And when that call goes against you and it's just crazy how much it can affect your bench and you got to reel it in really quick and get back to work because it, it can, it can definitely take you off course a little bit. Along those lines, Peter, <clears throat> does it take a coach sometimes a, a, a playoff season or, or two to learn how to navigate these playoffs? You know, I think about, you know, when we played Toronto and I was there and you were the head coach, it, it feels like you're not just playing the Maple Leafs, but you're playing yeah. a city, a fan base. Sometimes yeah, a history. A yeah, history. the history, the media, if I if you don't mind me saying, as is your former yeah. media guy. I saw you, but then I saw you Philadelphia against Chicago and in your Boston series and it got I got the sense that you knew how to play the game a little bit when it came to talking yeah. about the officials about the <laughs> other team uh, so when it comes to Elaine Lambert is it possible that he's learning that right now I think you're always learning Chris like uh, you know even now like you learn in regular season you learn when you work with new coaches you learn when you work with new players you learn when you new try new systems I think Lane's done a good job. Um, you know, it's a tough division that we're in, and I think he's put a really smart system in there. They play hard, and um, I think he's done a good job. I I do think that you learn. That's that's not knocking him. I think about that first series for me. I still think it was. I still think it was one of the greatest series to ever be a part of. It was so physical. It was violent. It went back and forth. It had the injuries, it had the penalty shot, it had the fights, it had the hits, and it was my first series. And so if you're asking me if I'm as experienced in that first series as I am now after coaching for 20 years and being parts of lots of series, not not even nearly, but in the moment, 
you know, we I thought we could have won. I thought we could have won game seven. I think it was I think the score was three to two. It's not like we went up into Toronto in game seven and got embarrassed because we didn't know what we were doing. But it just that was this that was the score. They they won it three two and and they moved on. But um I think he's done a good job and there's no question you're always learning. I'm still learning. Absolutely. And uh I'm not going to ask you to coach Bo Horvat specifically, but Horvat acquired by the Islanders a few months ago, really now after a pretty good start. And yes, he's winning his face-offs. He's uh, good. He's been good defensively, but pretty epically, Peter, I'm not expecting you to follow this closely. He has struggled. Uh, the offensive production after getting 30 goals in Vancouver has not been there. He scored a goal very late in the game today. Maybe that helps him. But when you have a player going through the kind of thing that Bo Horvat's going through now, do you pull him aside? Are there things, you know, he knows what he's going through. He knows the stats. But are there things that you could do that you've done in your experience with all the great centers that you've worked with through the years to try to get them ready for that next game and to put this behind them? So, you know, it's, Chris, there's there's a, the year we won the cup, um, we ended up making a trade for Doug Waite and Mark Recchi. And the, the thing about making a trade and bringing a player in is that trying to find the right slot, like, you know, Bo Horvat knew his slot where he was at. And then he got traded. And this happens all the time. It happens with, you know, players that I've seen leave our team this year. And sometimes they you slide right in and fit right in and you're right in your role and right in your space, but then sometimes you're not. And usually it seems to me sometimes with the higher end guys, when you already have a team that's a playoff caliber team, and now you're trying to slide somebody in and fit somebody in. Um, it may not it may not seem perfect without speaking about Bo Horvat or, or that particular situation. But just going from my experience, when when we had Doug Waite and Mark Recchi, we had a pretty good team in Carolina. But when these guys came from us, they were already first line players. And so we already had a first line. And so when you start shedding those minutes around in different directions and responsibility, and you're trying to see where you fit in exactly. And so they, and Dougie was there. We made that trade, I think in January, Jim Rutherford did a great job of pulling that trade off in like mid January to get him here, to get him acclimated. His value showed up so much as the playoff series went on. And we ended up winning a cup. And both of those guys, I believe, had, you know, 16 or 17 points. They didn't they didn't have Eric Stahl's 26 points, but they came in and they provided unbelievable offense and unbelievable depth for our team, which is what you, you need now. You see, you see the guys getting hurt and the players going down and the players that are unavailable for every game right now. And so this depth becomes so important. And so I wouldn't, you know, they they need to win a big game coming up here. But if they can get through this and continue to move on, a player of that quality and that caliber is going to be a huge difference maker for them, I believe, if they continue to move on in the playoffs. No doubt about it, Peter. And the last one for me, you, know, you talked about how incredible that first series was against the Toronto Maple Leafs, your first yeah. season with the New York Islands. And, and you also talk about just, you know, how it's always a learning experience. Are you able to look back on that first season with the New York Islanders? And do you have maybe a takeaway from that first year as, as being a rookie head coach and taking all that into account? Is there something you, you're able to look back on and say, yeah, I, this is something big I learned from that season from, from coaching that team? 
I mean, not not really that I can I can think of. What I remember how about, about, how about that, getting off to an eleven one and one start. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty. Yeah, good. no. So I, what I was going to say was what I remember was it just it hadn't it hadn't been perfect there for for a few years, and to be able in the when I was coaching in Wheeling in the East Coast Hockey League, and when I was coaching in Providence for the Providence Bruins, I was trying to just trying to create some sort of a family and some sort of a an atmosphere inside the room to bring guys together, to make them feel a part of it. And um, to watch that group grow inside of that season, I think we just missed winning the division by one point, but we played really well. Those guys played their hearts out. And um, to me, watching that happen, especially as a first year head coach was unbelievable. You're right. We had a great start. Um, I thought we had a really good team. I thought Mike did a good job of pulling in some pieces that, you know, he pulled in Pekka, he pulled in Sean Bates. I thought our defense was good. Um, you know, even picking up picking up a goaltender that gives us a chance to be successful. And so there's a lot of pieces that got added to that. And um, we were able to find our way th- through that year. And for a team that wasn't really expected to do anything, I'll look back at that group and just think about the accomplishment of what we were able to do. And especially the games and how loud they were inside of that first playoff series. I, I think the thing that I'll leave with with disappointment is that we didn't win that seventh game because it was a heck of a series. And if oh, yeah. you're going to go seven games in your first series with a group, it would be awesome to win that that seventh game. But it wasn't in the cards for that year. I had a big smile when you said you used the word community because of what you had done in West yeah. Virginia and Providence. And I could tell the fans here, and I'm going to say this with you on the air, that that is no line of, of, of bullshit because – we had a, I'm going to take you back 20 years or so. <laughs> that year we debuted a post-game radio show in the little bar at the Coliseum. We'd come in through the back door, yeah. right? Lot, right? Yeah. And when you first went over there, which might have been after the first game, after you said, you know, you didn't know we were doing that, right? And you said, you said, if this, I, I'm, I, I welcome going there every time you want me because I'm trying to build something here. And if the fans right. are going to pack this bar after a Tuesday night game, win or yeah. lose, I'd, I'd rather, yeah. you know, be accountable. You have any recollection of that or five teams? I, like- I, I do. Re- I do remember that. I think that's a big part of it, Chris. Like when you are trying to build something, it's got to be a little bit more than just players. I think it gets a little bit deeper into the, to the families and the staff and the fan base and, um, getting a little bit connected and, you know, at the end of the day, you, you can sit there when you're, when the building's rocking, you mentioned Carolina rocking. Oftentimes it's a, you know, it's this relationship between the fans and the building. If you give them a reason, they can, they can try to get you going, but you've got to respond or vice versa. You got to give them a reason to get going. And so to me, that building was unbelievable. Like it was, I remember I couldn't talk. There was, there was, you know, when, when Batesy scored or when, you know, I remember Jimmy Cummins fighting in game six or, or going out there and I, we Cairns, lined them up. Cairns and Corson. Oh, yeah. yeah. We lined them up every shift against, you know, somebody that we wanted to just make sure that it was that that person was in check. And he did an unbelievable job in that game. But I remember when we scored goals, I think we scored six maybe in game six, if I'm not mistaken. And so it was loud. I mean, it was loud, loud. You couldn't talk to your coaches. And that that was playoff hockey. Everything was made it so special. It was the series itself. It was the opponent. Toronto played great. I thought our guys played great. It came down to a game seven, and we didn't get it done. But 
the fans in Long Island were spectacular with, with filling that building and making it just an unreal place. So yeah, good stuff. They sure good memories. Yeah. Last one here is I didn't, after you parted ways with, with Washington mutually, um, I didn't want to reach out to you, but because I was curious as to what your plans were. And then Elliot Friedman comes on, I think it was hockey night in Canada's 32 thought, thoughts. Mm-hmm. And he reports, he says, uh, despite maybe some buzz that may be out there, it is my understanding. And I know when Elliot says it's my understanding, that means something's happening, right? <laughs> when he says, yeah. I think, I yeah. think this guy <laughs> might get traded. He's getting, you might as well start packing yeah. everybody, right? <laughs> so, but he says, he says, but it is my understanding that Peter Laviolette, uh, has every intention to, uh, you know, continue his coaching career. Uh, could you uh, say, is that, is that yep. your hope? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, I had a th- I had a three year contract in Washington, and I loved my time here. And it was about trying to take a veteran group and push them to the next level. And you know that contract is, is going to expire in June. M- my wife and I are looking forward to heading down to Florida for a little bit, and that's where we live, and just spend a little bit of time. But definitely, you know, I want to get back into it, and I want to try and see if I can't help a group push themselves and and find their way uh, back to a championship or get into the playoffs and push from there. And so, you know, I'm, I'm excited about that. And, you know, it's funny when I worked on the T Chris, when you said Elliot Friedman, I remember I worked on the TSN panel and um, somebody said something on the panel, a very senior person said something and uh, I challenged it. I questioned it. And I said, I don't think so. I don't think that that's any looked at me. He said, Lavi, this just doesn't fall from the sky. <laughs> this just doesn't fall from the sky. And so he was basically saying, if it's coming out of my mouth, you know, it's pretty true. So Elliot was, oh, yeah. Elliot, I, I don't know if it was, Elliot was right with what he was if saying. If it was McKenzie and maybe yeah. Drager, I'd be like, well, you might as well just put it in, put it in. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, it was. Well, you, you nailed one of the two. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Well, Peter, an absolute pleasure having you on the show. And I really, really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. And uh, you helped uh, create a lot of memories for this guy in that uh, that series yeah. against the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs in that season. It was a lot of fun to watch. So thanks a lot for that. And thanks for being yeah, on the good show. Good stuff. Thank you guys for having me on. And um, I'll, I'll talk to you later. Take care. Thanks, you too. Coach. Take My care. Best of Have a good summer, guys. Thanks, guys. You too. Bye. All right, that was Peter Laviolette, former head coach of the New York Islanders and currently in the market for a uh, new coaching job. Yeah, I hadn't thought about it, uh, but when he said, you know, how his hope is to get back, if you're one of these teams. So the, the Washington is the Washington's the only job that he's had where I said, eh, I don't know about that, but I understood mm. it. it was three years, veteran team, a year after trots. The idea was he just followed to, him twice. Yeah, the idea the idea was just to try to take one more whack at it. And mm-hmm. it, but but you know, like unlike Nashville, Flyers, Islanders, Carolina, it, it mm-hmm. just it, it didn't it was different than those jobs. If you're a team like Anaheim who's uh, fired Dallas Eakins and, and you're having trouble mm-hmm. turning it around or you're looking for a, a big jump to respectability and more mm. like, you know, I would forget about the Washington, whatever. And by the way, different, they had injuries. Even the, uh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the general manager uh, stood up for Peter is very classy saying, look, it just, you know, there was a lot of things that got mm. in the way we're moving forward. He wants to move forward. If Anaheim is one of the first teams for, for a job next year, maybe he goes a year and spends more time with his family, does a little broadcasting. But if you're one of those teams, that's now been a, a while since you figured it out. Like he, it's amazing that, 
to me, it doesn't always seem like he's somebody's first call, but the record speaks for itself. He's gotten, he's throughout Washington, everyone else has gone to the finals or he turned around right. the God forsaken Islanders. I get it. He, he <laughs> right. had some help, you know, because sure. that was the year Charles told Milbury spend the money and they got Dashen and everybody. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, he's a he's a really, really good coach and that stuff about community is all true. It's it's what he's done everywhere he's gone. Yeah, didn't he take the team out for like a retreat prior to the season during training camp or something like that? Yeah, he was big on that too. Yeah. Uh there was uh I think one of those years we were at Lake Placid for a couple of years mm-hmm. and, and there was like a, a day or two long retreat. Um but yeah, he he's definitely he's got some of that Al in him. I know a lot of fans are saying, Oh, you know why? But he has a good relationship with Lou Lamorello to answer that question to the fans wondering why we didn't, yeah, why (laughs) we didn't ask him. I'm not going to, Peter wouldn't have answered the question about coming back down. He has too much respect for Lane Lambert for Mm. the profession. He wouldn't want it. He wouldn't want anybody talking about him, right? If somebody was doing an interview in March about taking over the Capitol's job, he'd be furious. So, and I, you know, I'm not the, the New York times here, right? Like I'm, I'm, we happen to be friends. So I'm not putting him in that position. He wouldn't answer it anyway. Sure. Um, uh, but he does do a good job with getting people to buy in. When it comes to the Islanders, just tactically, I will say he's a he's a pressing guy. He's yes. a, he's a, right. Yes. You, you know hockey better than I do. His he's he's a go 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 guy. Right. Generally, mm. defensive res- responsibly right. heavy defensive. on the forecheck. But yeah, but mm. not. Um, that, and that's not what we've seen. So if the Islanders, and, and this is for a show, you know, in a couple of weeks or whatever, whenever this is over, if the Islanders are going to kind of rip this thing up and start, in, I don't I mean hey. total tear down of the roster and take like a different approach, sure, he would be somebody yeah. you, would, you would consider giving. Yeah, well, let's see what happens Tuesday and then exactly. maybe Friday before we start yeah. talking about no that. But but I understand the you know, the, the fans, you know, kind of uh, having their opinions about that stuff and, you know, not everybody's going to be happy with the coaching staff. But but Peter did mention something about being in, a, being in a playoff series and trying to dig back, and he talked about the importance of depth with players getting injured. Yeah. And the Islanders ran into issues with that right off the bat in this series where Romanov wasn't ready to go. They did get Barzell back, but they were exposed a little bit on the defensive end. Samuel Bolduc was thrown out there, thrown to the Wolves a little bit. Very fair point, John. And he ends up struggling in those first couple games. And, and these these games have been so tight up until these last two. But even even before, you know, even with the scores, you know, getting out of hand towards the end, this has been a very tightly contested series. The first couple games, one goal games, and it really did come down to one play here and one play there, or one call here, or one call there if you want to go there. But the Islanders were perhaps victims of that lack of depth because... You know, it wasn't difficult to see that Samuel Bolduc, who hopefully does become a good, productive member of this organization, was out of his element in this playoff series to start. And that's why he's no longer in it. And Romanov gets healthy, yes, but it looked like he wasn't going to play anyway in uh, in the last game. So, yeah. oh, It's a great, great point. It was not on like my list to talk about today. But, um, you know, we were surprised. It always feels like, you can get a defenseman and we're not talking about a ghost for a third round, you know, for a third round or a puck mover, just, Mm -hmm. you know, some sort of depth. Once one D went down, now you're looking at a a bulldog or a Mm -hmm. Parker or somebody like that. And uh, so that is a little surprising, a little unlue like to not be ready uh, Mm -hmm. for that. Mm -hmm. And that's a, that's a miss. That's a mistake. Because it kind of looks like they could have used that oh, veteran yes, Andy Green pickup, right? Which he, he normally Which would take care of, yeah. right? No, to- totally fair. 
Yeah, so okay. it's you know we'll we'll never find out what happened. I'm sure there were conversations that were had and nothing panned out, but um, unfortunately, it, it ended up being something that really hurt them in the, in the early going in this series. And and uh, you know, depending on how the rest of it goes, it's something everybody's going to look back on and say, "Hey, what happened there?" Yeah, but no um, but listen, you know, the power play big issue. We talked to Peter about it a little bit here. I mean, he by the way, Peter's second season, and maybe I alluded to this on one of the shows that we mm-hmm. did. Uh, when it comes to assistant coaches and power play. So Peter's second year, Kelly Miller was the assistant coach mm. and the power play just couldn't never got figured out. And, but somewhere along the line, you know, it was known that Kelly was in charge of the Islanders power play. Kelly, mm-hmm. who, who was a guy who I think probably played a thousand games was a terrific defensive forward in the mm-hmm. NHL for a long time. Well-respected guy. And man, that just stuck with us. And I say us cause I was there as the PR guy. And I felt right. bad. It was just like Kelly Miller sucks. Get him out of here. And you kind of, you know, I think people assume that John McLean, you know, was the engineer of the power play, whoever it is, it is, it's just getting uh, worse and worse. And it, becomes a mountain and then they give up a shorthanded goal the other night right right yeah no they so can't. what do you do, do you just, well that's you just i was hoping that up. peter had the magic answer well, I mean, what, what, <laughs> but, I, but i liked what he said about the aggressiveness mm-hmm. of carolina so it it, it could it's it's probably no deeper than a personnel thing like this is just not matching I, I guess so it, it has explain to explain the face you just made because i appreciated your exasperation yeah on point. well well look it was very easy to point the finger at the coaching staff when this regime the first version of this regime took over right everybody was calling for scott gomez's head when he was running the power play then they brought in somebody else it was the same thing and and they here we are three four years later and they're still struggling and yeah, a couple of guys have come in and out, but for the most part, it's it's the same guys. And and you know that they're trying different things in power plays. They talked about how they switched their formation to the two one two formation, and it isn't really yielding results until you know Palmieri's goal late in the game the other night. But it's just it's almost baffling to me because you know you've seen the replays. Bo Horvat can score on the power play. Bo, uh, Matt Barzell knows how to dish on the power play. Andrews Lee has scored plenty of goals in front of the net in the power play. Brock Nelson knows how to snipe from the top of the slot. These are guys that can score goals. You know, there was a time when Ryan Pollock used to take blast from the point. He's not really on the power play anymore, probably because he doesn't hit the net. But <laughs> but the point is, is that they do have guys capable of scoring on the power play because they do it five on five. They do it even strength. So it's just mind-boggling. And I guess I'm just going on a rant here because, you know, we're not going to come to any solution here on the show. But it's just so strange and crazy to me that this team can't figure it out. And it literally is biting them in the ass in this series. It has been the difference. Whether you like the calls or not, the Canes have been scoring on their power plays and the Islanders haven't. And I know, um, you know, this is a topic that I'm obsessed with at times because it's such a fascinating one. But it shows that as an organization, so yes, I'm bringing this back to Lou Lamorell, <laughs> okay. that, that you could have all these rules and mm-hmm. all these expectations and, and how things have to be done. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to even just setting up a power, you know, those don't relate. They do not correlate to being, you would think we have all this, we would also have the structure to also, at least, again, not scoring is mm-hmm. one thing, mm-hmm. but then also not having chances or never getting set up, getting set up or giving up a key shorthanded goal mm-hmm. as they did late in the game, late in the second the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's inexcusable. And, you know, right, you know, I, there's no reason to expect that to change. So right. I know the easy one is every time 
the Islanders go on the power play, 40 people tweet to the Islanders account, you know, decline the penalty, things like <laughs> right, that. But right. I think there's something to be said for you really, you're just, you're looking to hold serve there, not get like, not get scored upon. It is, it's really bad Listen. what's gone on there. And yet they made the playoffs, right? Right. And yet they, they have a chance to stay in it. So I, would, I should also say, I appreciate, you know, go back to the Peter. They, mm-hmm. Peter doesn't have to compliment Lane Lambert. He, he brought it up. I didn't ask him about the mm-hmm. job, or you didn't ask him about the job Lane Lambert did. He said, talked about him, and, mm-hmm. and, and the, he, that he thought he was doing a good job. It's, that's classy to do that. Yeah, absolutely. There's 30 jobs in this league, right? 32 jobs in this league, and Peter doesn't have one of them, and he's, he's complimenting a guy who's down 3-1 in the playoffs. Smart. It's classy. There you go. So why don't we uh, unwind a little bit and take a break. But before we do, why don't you tell us a little bit about Main Street Board Game Cafe? Main Street Board Game Cafe in Huntington Village on Long Island's North Shore. Games for sale and for open play, food and drink, beer and wine, fun and friends. They're magic to gathering. Dungeons and Dragons are game night live. Communities are welcoming for all. They do parties and corporate events. As you know, they're located at 30 Main Street in Huntington Village. Go to MainSTBoardGameCafe.com for more information information main st boardgamecafe.com for more information main street board game cafe find your crowd unplug your game we thank them neil for their sponsorship all season it's a great great place and and hey what beats huntington is so nice down there it's a great town yeah it's it's a great town so there you go folks 307 main street in Huntington Village. We're going to take a quick break. Thank you so much for tuning in to twitch.tv slash hockey night NY and your favorite podcast providers. We'll be right back. Miss the days of mixtapes and arcades? Love the taste of a bold IPA or maybe an ice cold lager? There's a place where all of those magical things come together. Lost Farmer Brewing Company. At 63A East 2nd Street in the heart of Mineola, Lost Farmer combines a love of the 80s and a passion for quality beer to create brews that can only be described as gnarly, radical, and totally tubular. The retro vibe of the tasting bar will amp up your nostalgia while the blend of both local and exotic ingredients amp up your taste buds. Beer not your thing? Crack open a can of cider or sip a Chardonnay on the extended patio. Order up from the snack menu? You can even bring your own. If you're more of a homebody, pick up a growler to go or order online at lostfarmerbrewing.com. And for all of Long Island's hockey fans, Lost Farmer created the delicious Stable Shaker American Lager to celebrate the newly built UBS Arena at Belmont Park. Whether you're at the stable for a hockey game, concert, or a comedy show, you can find Stable Shaker by can and draft around the arena. So raise a cup to the next cup with Lost Farmer Brewery, the future of Long Island craft beer. Hey there, welcome back. We missed you too. Now kick up your feet and settle back in to Hockey Night in New York. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, kick up your feet, settle back in to Hockey Night in New York for yet another therapy session here from Floored Media in Rockville Center. So we touched on Bo Horvat a little bit during the interview with Mr. Peter Laviolette, so why don't we keep that going? Chris Botta. Bo Horvat brought in. He was the big acquisition. He signs a long eight-year deal that a lot of people are groaning about now because not a lot's happening on the ice and on the score sheet. But what can this man do to turn this around? What has he got to do? I'm, I'm not worried. I'm not saying you were implying that I was either mm-hmm. about the eight years of this deal. Right. I, what I am 
worried about or concerned about is actually what's going on now. And let's not lose sight of the fact that, oh, when he was on Vancouver, had a great playoff a couple of years ago in, mm-hmm. in the bubble, right. to goals and, and all that. I, I'm just, I'm concerned by his often long stretches of ineffectual play. And I'll, mm. and I'll borrow a line that I've seen uh, on social media, and it, and it is true, that it is alarming how for again long stretches you we haven't even heard brendan burke say his name now i get it that sometimes Mm -hmm. if you're a defenseman for example and they're not saying your name that's probably sometimes could be a good thing that means you're not screwing up correct when you're a center and you're getting 18 to 22 minutes a game and you know and you're not hearing name called i believe his loan his goal today was his loan shot on goal accredited shot on goal for the game Mm -hmm. uh at least last i had checked it's uh it is very alarming he is winning the face offs i'm not going to get caught up in that he's doing the little things well he's expected to do those right i'm just i'm just surprised that he doesn't seem to have his nose in the middle of play uh, mm-hmm. as often as I thought he would. This, I'm a guy, and I, I know you were too, uh, who was very much in favor of this trade yep. and in, mm-hmm. in favor. Well, you very you were you were <laughs> I willed you were it. touting <laughs> and willed it and predicted it before everybody. Right, and I'm not I'm not changing on that. I'm mm-hmm. just. You know, I'm not going to give him the excuse of, well, maybe he's a little banged up. Mm-hmm. There's just, there's something not working there. So I guess what mm-hmm. I'm saying is, <laughs> like, you might want to throw the lines in a blender for Tuesday. You might want to just, and I wouldn't be surprised if there's some of that. Mm-hmm. You, you know, at least to start, you might want to just, whatever it is, just throw out some different combinations. And I think we will see some different looks. Last mm-hmm. thing I'll say about Bo is I saw him interviewed after the game today. MSG mm-hmm. showed the clip. Sir Kevin Kurz, it sounded like Kevin asking him the questions. I imagine if it hasn't posted already, it will be by the morning. Mm-hmm. The story about Bo Horvat and his struggles. Uh, I do appreciate I know this doesn't count for much with fans, but I will say that Bo was honest. He, mm-hmm. he did put it on himself. He was even kind of critical, like me scoring in the last couple yep. of minutes mm-hmm. of a blowout game. Right. That 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 does. He, he doesn't need points for me, but that you get points for that. Like you, I he I've seen guys ask those kind of questions, mm-hmm. and I've stood there either after having asked them or and or being the PR guy on the side and just kind of been like, what, is this guy is this guy kidding himself? Bo Horvat's not kidding himself. He has he understands what's mm-hmm. going on. He understands what he has done Mm -hmm. is not nearly good enough. So the fact that he has that reality and the fact that he did get that garbage time goal, I don't care. It was a breakaway. If he didn't score, I would have been off, right? It it (laughs) does give some confidence. So let's hope he could break out. What are you seeing in his game? No, I think you hit it on the head when you said you, you barely heard his name called. And that's the interesting thing about it is that he just hasn't been very noticeable. I mean, yeah, he's had a couple of chances that didn't end up going his way. But, yeah, it's been kind of quiet with names like him. There's a couple other names out there. Like, I thought Zach Parisi was going to have a big series. I haven't seen much out of him, at least offensively. He's done well on the PK and whatnot. But um, but back to Horvat, yeah, it, he's been quiet. And, and look, you can use the... That he's winning faceoffs and doing the other things, you know, the other little things, you know, for for an extent, right? And then the whole well, Barzell got hurt, and they, and they had great, mm-hmm. uh, he got hurt, and they had great chemistry. And once he comes back, everything's going to be fine. Barzell comes back, they're both struggling. Barzell had the one big goal, but aside from that, he's struggling a little bit too. And 
Look, the bottom line is he's just not getting it done. He he was he wasn't brought in to be a complimentary piece. He wasn't brought in to be a guy who just wins faceoffs and just you know plays wears a couple of different hats when a guy like P- Pajot goes down and he and he you know plays the PK and whatnot. Like this is a guy who was having a career year putting pucks in the net and he's gotten here to the island and it's not happening in in the most crucial time and. And the shame of it is, and, and, and again, doesn't win a lot of points with the fans, but you know that he wants it. He's hung. I mean, yeah. he was super excited going into this playoff series. He knows that weight is on his shoulders. He knows why he was brought in and what he's supposed to be doing, and he carries that. And maybe that's in his head a little bit. Maybe he's thinking a little too much about it. But he's not getting it done, and, and it's and in a tight series like this, I mean, there's going to be a huge microscope on it. And, and everybody looks at the big picture and says, wow. You know, we brought this guy in, and we were all happy about him signing for eight years, and he's not getting it done in the playoffs. Is this is this what we, we're going to have to expect now for the duration of his contract? And, you know, look, if there's there's no better time than Tuesday, <laughs> let's see it. And, and he's no, due. Yeah, and nobody was expecting him to keep up the pace that he had in Vancouver, right? I feel like that's Right, like, yeah, I, especially I think coming people, to this team. I think people were looking yeah. at 30, 30, 60, 35, 35, 70, mm-hmm. and nobody was looking for him to you know, continue the torrid pace, which was uncharacteristic with his previous years. Everybody acknowledged that. Right. Um, so there is that. Uh, before we get into Tab, Ruin hero, <laughs> hero on a hero. Uh-huh. Um, what? Tell me your take, having been at the two games, because I I think it's a different one when you're mm-hmm. there sure. on Mr. Barzal. These two home games. I think he's holding on to the puck too much. <laughs> Not to say that hasn't been said no. before. <laughs> well, look. No, I'm kidding. I didn't. I didn't know. I'm there's asking. there's there's moments where it works, right? When he's circling the zone, he's looking for the right play. But he's gotten, and this has happened on the power play. And in fact, I'm pretty sure it led to to that shorthanded goal the uh, the other game. But he he just he's found himself maybe trying to do do too much every now and then. And maybe that's you know a matter of just getting back, being excited, whatever it is. But um, the the the, the pro, when I see an issue with Matt Barzell on the ice, it's been he's just carrying the puck a little too much. He kind of ends up putting himself into into a rock and a hard place where he's got nowhere to go. You know, he's coughing the puck up and, you know, Canes are getting a stick on a puck and it's going the other way and it's and it's causing a turnover or whatever. And I think he's just kind of, you know, me being the very humble <laughs> viewer from the couch here, but I think he's just got to simplify a little bit and try to find a better balance between, you know, carrying the puck and and making, you know, making the right play. If you don't have a play, get a deep cycle. Get, you know, pass, dish it off to another man. I think he's just hanging on to the puck a little bit too much and it's, it's added to the frustrations uh, on the power play, particularly... But that aside, he doesn't look out of place. It doesn't look like he's playing catch-up after missing all those games. So it's it's great that he's there. You'd like to see him do a little bit more. And, and again, hopefully guys like him, Horvat, Lee, Nelson, the leaders of this team, dig deep. They got a couple of days now to, to kind of process what happened today, go into Carolina, put it all on the line there, win one at a time here and make a series. Very good. Speaking of which, where do we go from here? We're going to go, well, you know, we're going to breeze through what's on tap. You don't even have to press the buttons. We what's know what's tap? happening. We got Tuesday coming up, and God willing, if you believe in one, <laughs> we got another one coming up on Friday, and if they can extend it past that Sunday, everybody knows Tuesday's the big night. I know a lot of people out there, ah, it's 3-1, to one, it's over. Let's take it one game at a time, see what happens. That's on tap. My reason for hope on Tuesday, if, I, if I'm going to try to make one, is that, and by the way, I, you know, I I think we've done some pretty good work this year. Like, if you look at how the, when we've told this the story of this season, mm-hmm. from predicting Barzal mm-hmm. to saying they're going to make the playoffs, when I'm not going to say all the fans, you know, I, I don't follow everybody, but a lot of people at one point they were at like 28, percent and we were still sure, doing sure, that. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we were saying they were going to sign uh, uh, 
uh, Horvat. Uh, a lot <laughs> right. of things that when they when they lost when the Islanders lost to Peters Caps and everybody was said it was over. Mm. We made the case why it wouldn't. So uh, I'm going to make the case for Tuesday. And by the way, if they lose, it will, this will not be one of the clips you'll post on social <laughs> no, media on Wednesday. No. But should they win? Uh, and that and that's just that Sorokin. Who was, who was fine. talked about him tonight. Yeah, yeah imagine that. Like yeah. 60 minutes in. Exactly. Right. Um, Sorokin was okay today. He didn't steal the game for right. them. Mm-hmm. And didn't lose oh, either. And also, I, th- I thought, so when they lost the game in overtime, sorry to laugh, when they lost the game in overtime and I and I saw all the hubbub about the, the high stick on Mayfield and then mm-hmm. I caught up mm-hmm. on the game, the thing that stood out to me and I'm sorry if this sounds uh, unfairly critical of a great, great player in Sorokin, but I thought the overtime goal was awful. Like I, he just seemed like he was at a, he mm. was sliding out of position. He wasn't in control. He was deep and, in his net. Yeah, and yeah. it just like, mm-hmm. and I was like, what happened there? Because like. I can think of a lot of Islander goalies not nearly as good as him who I think right. would have made that save. So what I'm saying is, is <laughs> right. that he's coming off a loss. His mm. last game at Carolina wasn't good. Mm. Sorokin owes us nothing, mm-hmm. but I feel like he uh, gives them a great chance to win on Tuesday. Every night. And I would expect a uh, my hope, and yes, hope is not a strategy, but my hope is that he delivers a lights-out performance on Tuesday night. Let's see it. I want to see some more Islander hockey on Friday, but uh, why don't we get into Hero of the Week real quick? We'll go through that. And we'll go to Questions Bruin. So, folks, when you hear this song, that means it is time for the Hero of the Week, brought to you by the Blue Line Deli and Bagels Half Price Hero, which this week is the Hockey Night in New York, featuring grilled chicken, buffalo sauce, mozzarella cheese, and avocado in a delicious wrap. Stop on in to the Blue Line Deli and Bagels Huntington location this week. Mention Hockey Night in New York for half off the Hockey Night in New York. So, Chris, I'll let you start things off. Who is your hero of the week? Casey Sezikis. Uh, and I just thought of him taking that, you know, uh, friendly fire. from Aho gets, I was like, oh man, what'd Sebastian Aho do? <laughs> <laughs> he did a couple of things this series. Yeah. Uh, Good and bad. And it was a Sebastian Aho on the island. It was just bad luck and friendly yeah. fire. But uh, Sezikis, he. He continues to, you know, him and Martin, who I did a tweet about the other day, and I know Martin's had a couple of moments in the series that also weren't great, including today's Sunday's penalty. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is a this is a career achievement hero of the week, and that goes to Casey Zizekas, who I you know, just have the utmost respect for. He's another guy who's been a, a great Islander, and, and let's like to see him get some more playoff games in this season. Always a great choice. Big fan of Casey Zizekas, and I was... Debating between two different gentlemen. I'll give you my runner-up. It was Kyle Palmieri. Almost went with sure, him. Yeah. But I ended up going with number six, Ryan Pollock. Best hockey I've seen him play in an You have the word beast in a tweet, if I recall. Because he's been a beast in this series. Even though they're down 3-1, to one, he's been outstanding. Since the puck dropped on game one, he was, he's been hitting like it's nobody's business. I mean, where has this been his Islander career? Not, not to say he's never thrown a hit, but he's really taken it up a notch in this so series. So he hits everything except, according to you, about... 
minutes ago. Yes. The net on the power Guilty play. as charged. Guilty as charged. Yeah, I just want to make sure we're talking about the, the guys, same guy. The guy's right? got a bomb. He's got a bomb. But yeah. unfortunately, it's going up. It's going left. It's going right. You know? But listen, he's been outstanding this series. The pass on Casey Zizekas' goal to, to open the scoring in, uh, in Game 3 was outstanding. And Casey even said it himself. He didn't even know Pollock saw him. It was, he made a great play to, to keep the puck in there. And then he makes the pass to Zizekas. Phenomenal goal. And uh, look, he's, he's elevated his game in this series. You'd like to see it from a couple other guys. But he's been great, so I got to give it to – hats off to Ryan Pollock. Absolutely. Honestly, when I saw that tweet, it like, made me feel good. You have such an appreciation for good hockey. Oh, yeah. And when I saw that, I was like, all right, they're in a good place. So it just – listen, today they just picked a bad time for a stinker. A real bad time. What's that? My analysis that today was just a real bad. <laughs> Jay's, Jay's throwing hand signs. They, they were. They, it felt like they were back on track, including Mr. Pollock. Yes. And then they. It was so great. I, he's so surprised when I give a short answer. Oh shit! About to stop talking. Oh shit! Yeah, Jay's making hand signals at me. Oh, I'm sorry. Excuse Maybe me. He's got a hard out. Or we need Jay's got a date. We don't know about. He's got a hard out, and we got to get the questions brewing. Let's do some questions brewing, Edzo. It's time for Questions Brewing, brought to you Were you by eating Ross a sandwich? Brewing. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? <laughs> so, he was, he was oh. talking about the sandwich. Oh, okay. It's the Hockey Night in New York. Yeah. Okay. yeah. What are our, what are our three best yeah. questions tonight? We just, we just, the name wasn't on there. It was yeah, the only we problem. For like the whole, you know, we, needed a, we needed more of a spiel yeah, on, we're, we're on, the, on the sandwich description. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, well, you know, I mean, I t- told you all about it. I told you the ingredients. I don't know what more you want. Yeah, I know. You know, just, I mean, you go to Blue Line Deli, you mention us, and you get half off. I mean, that's yeah. that's the story. Right. Did you sleep through that? Yeah, you did. I said all of that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that all happened. We both I appreciate you looking out for me, but all of that happened, I promise. Right, okay. <laughs> it's just, we got nervous because the name of the sandwich itself is not on there. So, yeah. uh, well, know, we, we didn't include the name. Well, guys, I'm, but, I'm, I'm glad you looked out for me, but let's get to some questions here. What do you got for we, us, Ed? <laughs> All right, you know, how old we'll, is we'll that s- T-shirt you wear? <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's a question. It's been through the wash. That's uh, my question. That's yeah. been brewing. <laughs> it's. Wait, hold on. Let's turn it I just noticed that now. What there the hell? There you go. It's you like know, got they, a font from it's a little washed. It's, but Chris, it's they got a they, bit of a retro look. they sell some of them like that. I, they I, like I, the no, you know I, the I, distressed no, look. You know, Ed's a hip guy. This is relatively new. This is like twenty twenty. I got this. It's only three years old. From just, here, it's just from here, right. here. it doesn't just seem yeah. like right. it's trying well, to. Look we'll old we'll old do old. fashion corner with that another <laughs> other episode. Let's get some questions. All right, in. so we'll start this off from Enzab. I, I mean, I didn't even read the whole thing, but it starts off with a direct <laughs> message for you, Sean. Oh boy, here Sean. we go. Oh, he's been you on say, he's been on my case all week, John. You say yeah, they thank have you. a few days to look at themselves and turn it around. <laughs> it's the playoffs. Don't you think the coach, the captain, should have already addressed this? What makes you think they could turn it around when their back is against the wall today and they crapped the bed? And Zeb, I didn't say they're going to. I said hopefully they do. I mean, listen, this is all we got now is hope, not a strategy, as Chris expertly said. But look, this is how the games go sometimes. You know what I mean? I mean, look, they they obviously didn't bring it today. We thought that I thought that they would. I thought that if they won Friday, they were going to win today. It didn't pan out. And... They're big boys. They they do have leadership in the room. Hopefully, the leadership and the coaching staff can turn around. I mean, look, it's been a, it's been an up and down series. I, it's been tight. I said that earlier in the show. And look, I don't think you count these guys. The odds are heavily against them. Winning three in a row against this Carolina team is going to be tough. They earned their right to win the Metro Division. There's no question about it. But 
As Chris has already said, he thinks they can pull it on Tuesday. I think they have the chance, too. They're in a bad spot. Let's see how it goes. You mentioned Anders Lee. I saw, also saw a lot of heat from the fan base on yeah. Lee mm-hmm. on the overtime goal. Your, your position on that, Sean Cuthbert? Yeah, he, uh, he definitely could have put a little more effort into that play. It looked like he was... Uh, you know, I don't want to say dogged it. Maybe he was tired. It was at the end of the shift. I didn't look at the uh, the ice time or the shift the shift length. Or maybe he kind of just got caught sleeping on the play. But he definitely uh, could have made a better effort to get into it. And look, that was just a whole, like I, I said uh, in, a, in a tweet after the game that a lot of a lot of Murphy's law happened after that game. Yeah. You know, whether it's the, fi- the oh, officiating, goal, the Aho goal against, and I mean, just anything that could have went wrong went wrong that game. And and to have all of that sandwiched. At the end there with the missed high stick, Mayfield going down looking for a call. He gets caught on the play. Lee's, Lee's slow to get back. It ends up being this mini two-on-one, and they end up scoring on it. I mean, it was just like the perfect storm of awful. And, yeah, Lee's effort on the play didn't help any. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, that's a bigger dis- discussion for another day as far as, you know, how this, you know, what this is going to look like going forward as far as his, his remaining years as a New York Islander and how he's been performing in this playoff series. But, uh, yeah, that was that was a rough little play for him for sure. Okay. What else is brewing? All right. Next question is from Mitch Madness 4. Do you think the team missed Oliver Wallstrom during these times? Mm. Could Wallstrom have helped the Islanders more against Carolina? That's an interesting question because the guy who's pretty much filled his spot has been Pierre Engvall, and I think he's been great ever since he's come over. Uh, what about Oliver, in the playoff series? He's, I, you know what? I thought he's actually acclimated so pretty. I think he's played pretty well. Okay. Um, you know, he's he's complimentary to to Nelson and Palmieri. Uh, on that line, Paul Mary's been great. Obviously, one of his, at least one of his goals, no, one of his goals coming on the power play. But I, I have no complaints about Engvall's game. I think he's been playing well. I mean, look, you want to see some more numbers out of a lot of guys because because mm-hmm. the games that this team has lost, they haven't put up a, a lot of goals except for the four three overtime game, right? Mm-hmm. But I, I don't mind Engvall's game to to get back to Oliver Wallstrom. I have no idea where yeah, he would have been. You, you don't know. Right? That's a name that we haven't heard in yeah. ages, right? Like, I mean, I kind of forgot about the dude for a little while. Yeah. And, you know, you wonder, you know, where he would be right now as far as how his season would have progressed and what kind of player he would have been going into this playoff series. Because the truth is, you know, there's still a lot of story to be written on this guy. I don't know what kind of player he's going to be yet for the New mm-hmm. York Islanders. No, it's a, it's he hasn't a, arrived yet. It's a great question, yeah. and I, I, it'll always be interesting to follow his career and see where it goes. And let's also, and I know this wasn't like the point of the question, but let's also not lose sight of the fact that the Canes are without Svechnikov. And the Canes are missing in Terravine. And Max, and Max Badgeretti. Yeah. And so, you know, what would this series look like if sure. not for them? And, and again, right. that's a separate thing than the question yeah, about, I, I about don't. Oliver. But but for, pers- for perspective, mm-hmm. this is a seventh-place Islanders mm-hmm. team, and they're playing the Canes that are, you know, Badgeretti's kind of, you put that one to the side a little bit, right? Because he, sure. he was a steal, sure. and then he, and sadly, mm-hmm. didn't last long as season this year. But certainly Svechnikov I don't, is, is a big – if they have Svechnikov, you know, I'm not sure so many people are picking to pick the Islanders to win this, this series. Yeah, and ultimately I don't think Oliver Wallstrom is the difference between a 3-1 to one series Still or a 2-2 two, two series or what have you. He hasn't shown enough yet. What do you got? Joey Pickles 30 asks, or rather states in the beginning, <laughs> the Isles do not have much uh, cap space or wiggle room of dollars coming off the books next year. Comments brewing. Uh, comments brewing, <laughs> especially considering the possibility of re-signing, re-signing our UFAs. With likely bringing back the same team, do you think the only way they can shake things up is a coaching change? 
I just wish we would talk about this when the series was over. <laughs> you know, when the Islanders well, are out. He's talking I about get next it. Year. I understand. He's talking about next year. I'm happy to field the There's questions. There's not going to be much change. But hey, yeah. late, late in the regular season, we talked about this, that there will be time for that. And right. Of course, we take the bait, and we're passionate about <laughs> right. it, too, and we, we talk about these things. Mm-hmm. But I will say with complete respect to Mr. Pickles yeah. for asking that question, like, if you think about it, if there's a way to copy and paste it, maybe let's put it aside, and whether that be a Sunday or six from now, we can right. address those kind of things now. Yeah, I don't even know how to answer that question because this, you know, we got to see when the se- the Islander season ends. It yeah. might end Tuesday. It might end in June. Let's 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 wait yeah. and find out. We'll, and we will definitely talk about that. Ed, Trotty A nineteen asks, "Do you agree hockey will always be the fourth or fifth most popular sport because the refereeing sucks? Hmm. <laughs> it's like WWF this series. Even Parisi said." Sometimes you have to beat the refs, too. See, th- that question took a turn in that I mm. just thought it was going to be a, a general one right. about the sport itself. Right, right. But the right. question is not even implying. It's saying that it the is officiating the fourth would be the reason, which I don't... Because, yeah. because of the officiating, and I wouldn't say uh, right. that's the reason uh, for it being. So So I guess I, what I would say is that I don't agree that my answer to that question as it's written is no. It may not help. But I, I don't think the officiating is the reason why yeah. it's the fourth or fifth most popular yeah. sport. So, But as far as I'm concerned, no other sports exist. In the so NBA, the officiating at times just drags the game down into nothing and so makes football. it unwatchable, and yet it's the first or second most yeah. popular. So Yeah, you even look at uh, but, baseball. But football, great. Oh, umpire time, calls is just based on where their strike zone is, you know? I mean, don't even I'm, need umpires. Uh, Bring the robots out. You don't yeah. need the umpires yeah. anymore. Yeah. Maybe I'm very we're much better, alarmed. We're better They're just dressing now. You don't need it. I mean, we see it on the screens when you watch the game. They show you the box. They show where the ball goes. You don't need those guys anymore. NFL games unwatchable, <laughs> and I know I'm very much in a minority because TV ratings are incredible. But I put on the games, and once they go to the replays, and I just I can't. I have a hard time watching it. I'm with you, Ed. Anything else? Yeah, and Zab asks, uh, has anyone seen our eight million dollar center that we traded for to score goals? There's there's the Bo Horvat question. Go to minute forty. So what excuses do we have for him not scoring goals? I don't. I mean, it's just not happening for him. <laughs> He's <laughs> trying his best. I'd say we got time for one more from somebody else. It isn't about a topic we've talked seriously about that we haven't talked about before. He, we, he, he. We got to remember he does ask these, these questions are sent in, and then we talked about. Oh, well, yeah, that's yeah, how yeah. We, we, we touched on. Yeah. That. Oh, that was about Barzal. Oh we no, he about. said the guy that we traded for. He said Bo Horvath. He said the eight million. Yeah, the eight million dollar guy. Yeah, and then Barzi is back. So what excuses for him not scoring goals? There is none. There is none. He's not getting it done. That's the bottom line. Mm-hmm. I mean, he just needs to get out there and score. What else What else can you say? Our last yeah. question before game five well, is? Last <laughs> question. I got a simple one. Matty Lou, 82. Keys to winning in Carolina. Okay. Go ahead, Sean. Well, uh, I said it at the top of the show. Stay out of the box. You know that they're going to call everything. They have been, and it hasn't been going their way. So be disciplined. Don't take stupid penalties. Plays like Matt Martin today. Just don't give the refs a reason to blow the whistle on you because you've been paying for it all series. And, look, just play th- just play through the game. I mean, look, if you can draw some penalties, fine. Even if they don't score, and I don't, I don't know if I emphasized this before, but even if the Islanders aren't successful on the power play, that's still a couple of minutes where Caroline is killing, and it's screwing up their rotation. 
as far as their matchups, as far as the guys that they're getting out there, ice time and whatnot. It's keeping it's keeping their scores off of the ice, even if the Islanders aren't scoring on the power play, right? Draw your penalties when you can. But Sorokin's key number one. He's got to show up and be Ilya Sorokin on Tuesday. Absolutely. They're not going to have the changes. The uh, the uh, Canes are going to have their matchups. And, yeah, listen, the big guy's got to show up. Like, let's see a game out of Bo Horvat, Matt Barzell. And just they got to drive the play. Keep matching Canes 5-on-5. Five five. In fact, they've prob- they've been the better team 5-on-5 five five this series. I mean, they've really lost this game in the special teams, like I've been saying. So just keep driving play 5-on-5. Five five. Get a couple of your big names to score some goals and stay out of the damn box. Yeah, I would, The only one I would add to that it would be to survive or persevere through the first 15 minutes yeah. of, of game action. Right. I, think, I think the Canes with that crowd are just going to be completely completely mm. over caffeinated <laughs> and 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 like we talked about with peter and, and he said it too it's like oh you think you, you had a good game plan and next so you know you're being out shot 15 three or something mm. like that yeah. i think there's a good chance you know that could happen and doesn't mean the canes are going to be winning could be it's a good chance it could be zero zero i think with with kind of you know the all the pressures on the canes now to put this away in front of their home crowd on tuesday i think if they could just find a way to ward off those first 15 minutes and not go down to nothing. Score the first goal. Into the yeah. game. Um, I, I, I actually think the Islanders have a pretty good chance of winning on Tuesday. There you have it. So that'll do it for Questions Bruin. I want to thank everybody for participating, hanging out with us in the chat. Great and, stuff, people. And getting through a tough day uh, in the Islander country here with the, uh, with the tough loss to the Canes. But they got another one on Tuesday. Hopefully they can pull that one out. And then we'll see what happens on Friday. We'll see what happens from there. Either way, Hockey Night in New York will be back to cover whatever ends up happening from here until then. So, Ed, you can cue the exit music. So, want to send a huge, huge thanks to Peter Laviolette for joining us tonight. Outstanding stuff. Really, really appreciate him giving us some time tonight. And, of course, a big thanks to you guys for tuning in here at twitch.tv slash hockey night NY and your favorite podcast providers. And I want to send a huge thanks out to our sponsors, starting with Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington. Check them out at bluelinedeli.com. And a huge thanks to Lost Farmer Brewing Company, located at 63A 2nd Street in Mineola. Check them out at lostfarmerbrewing.com. And, of course, a big thanks to Main Street Board Game Cafe located at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village. Check them out at mainstboardgamecafe.com. And remember, folks, if you like what's going on here at Hockey Night New York, rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends, spread the word. Let everybody know that Hockey Night New York is the place to go for your New York Islanders podcast coverage. Chris Botta, Fred and Jay, my name is Sean Cuthbert. We've been Hockey Night New York. Have a great rest of your night. Watch out for the bobbleheads. <laughs> <laughs>